Hey, welcome to Collect Me. I'm your host, Richie. And this is Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing all right. Happy 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th of July weekend to you, too. Uh, you know what? We actually got a caller. Oh, awesome. We have a caller on the line. Our first yeah, caller do. for the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Hey, hello, caller. Uh, welcome to Collect Me. Uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Austin. First time caller, long time listener. I'm from Indio, California. Awesome. So that's here in the Coachella Valley where we live, uh, Palm Springs area. Correct. Yeah. And uh, what are you calling about today? I'm calling because I collect books, Stephen King books. Oh, oh. wow! Very interesting. Great author. Uh, super published. Uh, I mean, so many movies. They've turned his books into so many movies. Uh, Pet Cemetery, Christine. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I believe he used a pseudonym uh, under the name of Richard Bachman. Yeah, he and, did, actually. Uh, and several of those books that he used as uh, Richard Bachman uh, was uh, The Running Man, which I don't think many people may not know was a Stephen King novel. Yeah, it was. Loosely uh, based. Loosely based. A lot of people just that. recognize it because of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but yeah, it was loosely based off of his book. And uh, so what specifically are you calling about today? I was just seeing if you guys knew any cool places to uh, purchase books or exchange books around this area. All right. Yeah, we definitely uh, can help you out with that, give you some information, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to put it to good use. Uh, thank you for calling, Austin, and uh, we're going to be putting that information out right now. All right. Thanks, Austin. Thank you. All right. So we want to thank Austin once again for calling. Yep. Uh, our first caller. I was excited when I got the call. And... Uh, so, as for the information we got uh, for him, we got a place called The Book Rack in La Quinta. It is a used uh, paperback uh, place where they specifically cater to uh, paperback uh, used books. And then we also got the Cactus Rand Book Exchange in Yucca Valley. And uh, they do a lot of old school uh, paperback as well and uh, rare books. Mm. Um of course, you got places like Barnes & Noble. They do new and used, but they cater mostly to, to new books. Um, and then for the people who don't live in the desert or live anywhere near us, and you're looking to purchase books, exchange books, sell books, uh, you can go to a website called firstedition.com where they do rare books, and they buy and they sell. Yep. Yeah, Stephen King. I mean, what a, I mean I've read a couple of his novels. I've seen a lot of his movies. I believe I heard once that uh, that uh, his original he had originally wrote in a few novels, but nothing would have been published. His first novel published was Carrie back yeah. in I think seventy three, nineteen seventy three, and he uh, had thrown away the first few pages of that book, and it was his wife who went into the trash can, believe it or not, and took him out and said, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we work on this together?" And then, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, I mean. That is so cool. I mean, when you hear stories like that, because I think what people find really interesting is the stories behind how things got created. Yeah. Everybody knows his movies and right. the move or the movies that were based on his books, uh, Cujo, yeah. Christine, uh, The Shining, uh, movies like that. 
Um, but a lot of times people don't understand that a lot of these movies almost didn't get made or certain actors almost didn't get cast or certain books almost didn't get written. And it's just this little weird thing that happened in their life that pushed them towards finishing whatever the product it is that they were developing. Yeah, I think fate intervenes. I think that's ultimately how life happens. Just fate intervenes. I, I believe he wrote for X-Men. Uh, yes, wrote, he did. He actually wrote a couple of books for X-Men. Uh, and then he wrote, uh, I think he wrote the uh, introduction to Batman number issue 400. Oh, wow. That I didn't know. Yeah, I believe, I believe he, uh, you know, uh, that's where he stayed. I believe he said Batman was his favorite character over Superman. Which I know for you, yeah. you're a big Superman fan. Yeah, so. we're always going to have that debate. And that that's a huge uh, part of my life right there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Batman. I love the Batman movies. Uh, I like the uh, reboots that they did with Christian Bale. And I'm probably maybe going to watch the Robert Patterson one. I'm still undecided on that because I think they've done too many versions of Batman at this point. But it's just, you know... I honestly believe that the greatest superhero of all time is Superman. You know, so so recently you got some books, right? Actually, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I want to send a special shout out to a family friend of ours, uh, a good friend of my wife's, Miss Helen. Um, she came across some books. Uh, somebody was cleaning out their house and found some books that they had no idea what to do with, and they asked Miss Helen, "Hey, do you know anybody who'd be interested in these things?" and Right away, she thought of me, and I really appreciate that. Um, from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you, Miss Helen. Um, and so I came home from work, and my wife had laid them out on the dinner table. And I'm looking at them like, well, what the heck is this? I thought maybe we got something from Amazon or whatever. And I ended up looking at the books, and man, some really, really interesting books. Yeah, I saw uh, them earlier. They were really awesome. Uh, she gave me a Superman book called Superman Sunday Classics from 1939 to 1943. Wow. And it's a book that's basically about the comic strips that were written back in the days uh, before comic books became comic books, action comics number one and so on. Uh, then she also gave me another one that is... Uh, I can add to my now collection, I guess you can call it, because this will be my second book. Uh, it is Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. And uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I have a book called The Punisher versus the Marvel Universe. And it's a couple books and a, and a collection of Marvel uh, books that have been published where they pick specific superheroes to just basically go out and destroy everybody that's in the Marvel Universe, good guy or bad. Um, then she gave me a couple Star Wars books, uh, uh, 30th Anniversary Star Wars Edition, and so on and so forth. So, once again, I just wanted to thank you, Miss Helen. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's very generous, very nice of her to do that. And then we also have, uh, we also had an email, right? Yeah, we got somebody uh, who works with my wife, a co-worker of hers, who uh, listened to our last podcast. His name's uh, Joel Sandejas, and he sent us some pictures. Um, I guess he listened to the specific part where we talked about the Billy Ripken card, the, yes. the uh, hopeful yeah, interview that will be happening sooner or later. Um, and uh, he sent a picture of the Billy Ripken card that he collected when he was younger uh, that specifically caters to what my brother was talking about, the profanity that was on the bottom of the bat that just happened to come out in the card uh, in the picture. Yeah, so uh, we want to say thank you. Anybody with any suggestions, please send us uh, an email address. My brother will give you the email address. Yep, email address. I'll be giving it to you at the end of the show, and I'll give it to you again right now really quick. 
It is collectme7374 at gmail.com. And feel free to send us suggestions, topics of shows that you want to listen to. If you want to be interviewed, call in, pictures, anything uh, will be nice. We'd love to receive things from you guys and be able to help you guys become a part of the show. Yeah, we, we appreciate any emails and feedback. We got a lot of feedback uh, on our first episode. A lot of yes. positive feedback. Uh, we really appreciate the, the comments from friends, family, people who were listening to the podcast world. Uh, we are trying to improve the quality of the sound. I know that was a couple of things that we got. Um, we're still a little learning our way, and uh, we're taking baby steps. Yeah. But I uh, really would just love to thank uh, all the listeners that listened in on our first podcast. You guys don't understand how much that means to me and my brother. This is this podcast has been a real labor of love. It's taken us a while to finally get to the point where we can actually start recording and coming up with topics and ideas for the show. Um, so you guys listening and knowing that there's people out there that are interested in collecting or just interested in listening to the podcast and hearing me and my brother chit chat about little fun facts that we know, uh, means a lot to us. It really does. So we want to thank you guys, uh, for, you know, putting in a little bit of time to listen to what we had to say last week. So Chris, you ready for a feel good story? I'm always ready for a feel good story. <laughs> so I, I, I heard about this, uh, these two brothers, uh, I believe William, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced the last name, Manolarkis and Alexander Manolarkis. When William was about 20 year, 12 years old, he got a Hiduki Matsui card and just was so excited. It's kind of what started a, a he's a big Yankees fan. Uh, both the brothers are big Yankees fan. And so they just fell in love with collecting baseball cards when they were about 11 or 10 or 11 or 12. So much that they got about ten thousand, up to about ten thousand cards within their collection, uh, very rapidly. Well, fast forward uh, to this year with the COVID nineteen. Uh, William is now twenty two. Alexander is nineteen, and they were inspired by a story. There's this uh, Red Sox, Boston Red Sox beat reporter by the name of Chris Cotillo, who was uh, auctioning off some of his memorabilia for COVID nineteen relief. Oh well. And um, so the brothers reached out to Chris and just kind of wanted to uh, know how uh, he did it. So they kind of modeled their same charity after, after Chris Cotillo's. Uh, and so the brothers started uh, auctioning off through eBay a lot of their cards to raise monies. Now, Chris had originally raised about $57,000 for about wow. 35 different charities. Yeah, super nice. That's, that's just absolutely generous. Uh, for food banks and medical supplies and things of that nature. So the brothers wanted to follow suit, and they did just that. Um, they 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 ran, they sold, I believe, a, I want to say it was a David Ortiz card that normally would have went for about 5 to $10. They sold it for like $150. Uh, it was to benefit the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. So I just want to give them a quick shot. It was a great story to hear that they really were going above and beyond and using collecting as a way to give back to the community. I believe both brothers are in college. They're both uh, in dental college, to be quite honest. And uh, it was a great uh, was a great opportunity for the Yankee fans to be able to support Red Sox fans, and uh, it was it was it was an amazing story. That is an amazing story, and that is so awesome. You know, I, I'm sure you know. 
everybody knows at this point around the world, you know, we've gone through a lot in these last three to four months yeah. with the COVID-19 uh, coming through and, and doing the kind of damage that it's done. Um, but it's really cool to hear that there's people out there who uh, like to put things into action and help out, right? you know, and, and do their part. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really nice to hear that uh, people understand that there's programs and charities out there that need help uh, with money to continue to be able to provide for people that are suffering through this COVID uh, situation that we're all in right now. Um, you know, so hat, my, you know, hats off to those guys. It's really awesome to hear that they, you know, that they did some uh, uh, really good work by doing some charity work and, and selling those cards. Yeah. I mean, we often worry, you know, wonder how we can contribute and how can we can help. And what the, what the, what William and Alexander did was they just used the resources that they had. Maybe they didn't have a lot of money, but they had some a collection of baseball cards that they had when they were kids, and they used that to be able to create and generate money for for various charities. Uh, one of the quotes um, was uh, in regards to the the David Ortiz cards. It was one of my favorites. Alexander said, "But the man on the receiving end said it was for his daughter's birthday, and she was a big Red Sox fan. So it seemed wow. like it was a win win situation uh, it, for everybody. It was a, just a, a great uh, a great uh, idea." Uh, to for them to be able to use what that's they have, so their freaking to, awesome, man! Yeah, that's so freaking charity. awesome. You know that. You know when you say you got a feel good story. You know, like I said, I'm always in, in the mood for a feel good story because it means it's a story about somebody who's going out of their way and over and above. You know, and being selfless, and they're doing things that maybe they never thought they were capable of doing, or had never thought to do because maybe their life is too busy and they just took a few minutes out of their day to do something nice for somebody else you know what i mean right you know giving that card to that little girl may change her life somehow and i know it sounds silly because it's just a card and people think well how can a card change somebody's life but you don't know that card may be something that you know propels her to excel herself or to do a pass it on type deal where right. because somebody gave something to her now she's gonna give something of herself to somebody else and you keep the chain going and it continues to help and heal people yeah they, they had they started on twitter a at cards for covid uh charity and that's how people were able to access their accounts and their their fundraising uh, was to their Twitter account. So it, it was, uh, you know, they're using social media. They're trying to, uh, you know, help people the best that they can. So again, William and Alexander Menolarkis, uh, great thumbs up to you guys. Thank you guys for having a great heart. Yeah. Hats off, like I said to you guys, and, and thank you very much uh, for, for doing what you do. So last last week we talked a little bit about uh, recently. Let me just read some cards to you, Chris. Um, okay. A Pokemon uh, Super Secret Battle number one trainer, graded PSA ten. Uh, it's uh, was auctioned off for about a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Uh, last year, a Pikachu Illustrator uh, card went for about one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars. Are you kidding? Two thousand and nine. I think I think we spoke about this last week. The two thousand and nine Bowman Chrome Draft Red Refractor Autograph, Mike Trout. That went for about nine hundred thousand dollars. The two thousand and three, two thousand four UD Upper Deck Exquisite Collection LeBron James. That twenty three were made. Uh, that went for about a million dollars. 
Uh, back in February of this year, a LeBron James one of one logo worn of the game jersey that went for about nine hundred thousand dollars. And then I recently saw on eBay a Wayne Gretzky Opeachy rookie card graded uh, PSA ten. Uh, the asking price was also about a one million dollars. Um, I mean, it's just been insane the last few months with Sounds the like prices it. of these cards. And so I started to dig a little bit and kind of just what's causing the rise of prices for so many of these baseball. And it's just not to sports, but to pop Pokemon as well. I don't know. Did you, have you seen that recently? Did you kind of discover that yourself recently? Um, yeah. And I mean, just like we talked about last week, uh, COVID-19, because of the fact that, you know, people are at home and, and probably just, you know, going back down to their basement or their, or their attic and remembering that they had certain collectibles that they had collected and and started digging back into them and and I believe that has a lot to do with uh, the reason why all of a sudden there's a surge in collecting uh, and renewed interest in the, in the collecting world. Yeah, um, I heard a story even. I mean, it, I mean, we don't have to go ten or twelve. Even this year alone, there was a a Bowman twenty twenty Bobby Wade Junior Super Refractor autograph card. He started fielding offers, and I think he submitted it into an auction house. I think he does want to auction it off. But one of the pri one of the one of the offers he got was for thirty seven thousand dollars. This wow. is a one of one card of Bobby Witt, which I don't even remember Bobby mm -hmm. Witt, long time Texas Ranger. I think he played with a few different teams, but I just remember him with the Texas Rangers. Uh, his dad playing baseball, but I think there's a lot more to it. I think one of the issues that people uh, I mean, we don't have sports, first of all. Yeah. So I think that kind of plays into it. Um, I think in addition to that, I mean, you think about the the Michael Jordan card um, and the Mike Trout card. Like, for example, the Mike Trout. The guy who bought that uh, bought it for $180,000. And then he resold it for nine hundred. So you're talking about an almost a $720,000 investment within a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you tell me what can gold or does real estate or does the stock market ever have that type of return? I mean, it can, but it usually doesn't. I mean, the fact that cards can go for that amount of money is just kind of kind of mind-boggling to be honest with you you know what i mean to the idea that a card could be worth a million dollars i mean there's houses that aren't worth that much well but see i think that's what's driving the prices of these cars is the fact that no investment like collecting and i, and I don't want to make and i don't want to make our podcast about money because it's more than that but it does help us as collectors yes because i think yes. that as the the it, as it gets as these type of sales and these record sales garner news, and they get published on um, uh, mainstream media outlets, it kind of raises awareness for the rest of us to be able to continue to grow our collections. Yes, and, and for people to continue. Oh wait a minute, there's you know there's money to be made. So I mean, because even I mean, like I said, there's there's no amount of investment that you can look at. Even your 401k plan where you're going to turn around a card that's 
was once sold for 180000 and then within the next year, it's now sold for ninety nine hundred thousand dollars Yeah. I mean, that's a huge turnover. That's a huge turnover. And I think in addition to that, uh, you know, some of the documentaries that have been issued lately, like yep. The Last Dance from Michael Jordan, and uh, one of the things I've seen a big rise in was uh, The Long Gone Summer, the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa home run derby. Yeah. Uh, they've also some of their memorabilia has started to. I've started to yeah. see an increase in it, that as well. I remember that home run derby. Uh, unfortunately, it came at a time when baseball's reputation was kind of tarnished a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because of steroids. Yeah, the documentary does cover that. Yeah. Um, and so when that home run derby happened, well, it just wasn't steroids. There had been a strike. That's true. In there, the there was season. also a strike. Yeah, and but, so many people were kind of left very, you know. Not very happy. Yeah, about. they had a bad taste in their mouth with baseball, Absolutely. and and it and it hurt because people like me and my brother and, and other friends that I know that were huge baseball fans. Uh, we grew up in a time when baseball ruled the world in the seventies and the eighties. You know, so yeah, it was America's pastime. The idea that you know the it was the, it was given a black eye because of. You know, a strike because of money, yeah, and then agreed. because of mass steroid use, a book that was put out by Jose Canseco himself, uh, naming names about steroid users, and it started a you know kind of put a, a like a black cloud over baseball. That home run derby uh, between Sosa and Mark McGuire is credited, and I believe it is credited uh, for bringing baseball back. In a way, um, because who number one, who doesn't love home runs? Right. People love home runs. Yeah. I mean, outside of a pitcher pitching a perfect game, which is, you know, one of the most unusual feats in baseball, you know, people love the long ball, you know? Yeah, I think there was a, a commercial. I think it was John Schmoltz. Yeah. Uh, it's like chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> I, I actually have that T-shirt. Uh, chicks dig the long ball. You know, and then you put a star in there like Mark McGuire, who even though his reputation is tainted because of the steroid thing, he's still one of my favorite baseball players uh, when he was on Oakland as well as when he played for St. Louis. And then you get Sammy Sosa, who played uh, baseball for one of the more storied uh, franchises in baseball history, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. You know, and, and those guys just took home run hitting to a whole new level and renewed an interest in baseball. And I think that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the book you're referring to from Jose Canseco did come years later. But, yeah, there was there was issues. And I think that it led, especially the, sprite, the, the, the strike that happened in 94 – like you said, it left a, a bad taste in people's mouths. They weren't really, you know, attendance was down. And and so that did revive a lot of interest in baseball. But when the documentary came out, it just kind of renewed, again, interest in memorabilia. Yeah. Along with the, la the last dance. I think yeah. you, had, you had some, Actually, some yeah, information. Actually, uh, yeah. I, I was going to bring that up as in a little bit. Uh, because Michael Jordan came out with the last dance uh, that came out on ESPN talking about the uh, final championship that the uh, Bulls won in the 97-98 year, um, Michael Jordan's stuff has skyrocketed, I mean, big time, uh, especially on eBay. I was going through uh, eBay just to check uh, what prices were on Michael Jordan memorabilia and cards and whatnot. And he has a card that was put out by a company called the Star Company. It was card number 101. Mm -hmm. It was their version of his rookie card, 8485. Yeah. And it was originally at about, I believe, $2,000. 
and after the last dance came out, it shot up to sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, wow. I mean, you're talking. It, they're saying that it, it increased by sixty percent just because of that documentary alone. You know, and then you got, you know, uh, the fact that basketball cards themselves, uh, baseball and football as well, but basketball cards alone. During the COVID-19 uh, epidemic, compared to last year at the same time, basketball has gone up about 130% in uh, price, baseball about 50%, and football about 47% compared to 2019, which was, I mean, you're only talking about a year ago. Cards go up in price, uh, mainly, you know, with unfortunate events like somebody passing away or a limited edition type deal, but yeah, for a, a lot, certain a card to go up that much in just a year, it's it's kind of unusual. Well, a lot of, a lot of times when people go into the Hall of Fame, that's what helps shoots up the sports cards. Um, in fact, the uh, LeBron James one of one logo worn uh, game jersey. So it shows a picture of the NBA logo, both from the LeBron James rookie season. And then it's weird because the that card shows, although it shows Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls logo, the patch itself of the NBA is actually from when he played with the Washington Wizards. But nevertheless, it was a one-of-one card. So what that means is that one only one card was issued. One-of-one. It was by far the most basketball card that any card has ever been, has, has ever been sold. Wow. So I think that there's been a lot of renewed interest. I think another thing that contributes to that is that, um, do you know what a case break is by any chance? No, I don't. Okay. So for those who don't know, a case break is basically you get a box of baseball cards. could be a, a hobby box or a retail box. And then people are opening up online on YouTube. Oh, so you, wow. can go on to, you can go on YouTube and look up case breaks or a box breaks. And they'll just kind of open them up and then they'll just show, you know, people are on there for like three or four hours, like watching a sporting event. And so they're very invested in that and that and, and you'll see them on every night, you know, where people will be doing case breaks. Um, I've seen a couple where uh, people will invest in a box they'll pay three or four hundred dollars and they'll get a pack of cards and they'll buy one from like, say, 1962 tops. Wow. So everyone will get a pack, and so it's awesome. Yeah, so you know, it's it, it, it's become a sport within itself to yeah. open up because you know you never know what you're going to get, especially with these prices. You know, you could be pulling out a lottery ticket. You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes with I these mean, boxes, you you just don't know. Sometimes when you're opening a pack of cards, if you're going to get, you know, your average uh, 2020, you know, baseball football cards, or if right. you're going to get, you know, some special edition type card that. You know, there's like one of ten, and now you just got a card that's worth, you know, a few thousand dollars. Right. And, uh, you know, YouTube is really, really uh, uh, not just in, in the subject that you're talking about, uh, where they open the boxes to, you know, uh, pull out the, the, the cards. But YouTube, uh, they are very well known for that type of thing, period. Uh I do watch a lot of YouTube uh, paranormal videos and, and, and most haunted places and things like that. And they do the same thing with that paranormal stuff. Uh, I forgot what they're called. Um, they're like these mystery boxes that people will order online. They don't know what's inside them. They open the box to see what's inside and somebody sends them like 
it's sometimes it's really crazy stuff. Sometimes it's like, well, give us an example. Like, what do you mean like, by crazy? Well, somebody opened up a box one time, and there was like uh, a pair of pants, a backpack, like a like a so what is what like is a it? rainbow bright backpack? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, and you're and you're looking at this guy, and he's like forty years old, and he's so anxious to open okay, this so box. Who's offering these boxes? Or? Anonymous people. They don't know who it is. You order so, it online through uh-huh. eBay or wherever. Okay. And somebody sends it to you, and okay. it's usually an anonymous person. Um, there's even been creepy things where they like send hair in a plastic bag. I mean, YouTube has like the most well, oddest yeah. and weirdest videos, oh, but you course, can yeah. watch that stuff I mean, on you. Yeah. And, and you're right. And people watch it like it's a sporting event. I'll, yeah. I'll look at video after video after video, and you'll see a hundred thousand views, five hundred thousand views, and it's just of people opening boxes. Yeah, you know. It, but it's interesting though. Right. But uh, I, I was just gonna bring this up really quick. Uh, still sticking to the Michael Jordan uh, theme. Uh, I got a list of. Things that have gone up Michael Jordan-wise um, on eBay in the last year because of COVID-19. Uh, cards that were were worth money but have gone up the 60%, like I said earlier. Um, like his 1997 Metal Universe Precious Metal Gems Green Michael Jordan card. It's a 1 of 10. It is worth $350,000 now. And his 2005 Upper Deck Michael Jordan LeBron James Duel card uh one of one which is worth ninety nine thousand dollars so like you said it's crazy how these prices have skyrocketed due to the effects of covid19 and not having sports to watch and and so on i think part i mean indirectly it's covid but i think that part of that is that you know investing itself so the stock market isn't always the most stable uh and so it can be a little bit challenging as you're trying to invest for your future and i think that sports memorabilia and sports cards are probably the most safest now they don't always go up this much so i don't want you to go and just buy a bunch of michael jordan cards and you, yeah you know they're, they're, we, we don't want you to go and spend your next paycheck that you're supposed to pay the rent and buy a bunch of michael jordan cards right yeah because it, it doesn't always work just like the stock market not every stock is going to be you know an apple or a microsoft yeah um, or a Coca-Cola. So yeah, so you know, but you gotta you gotta do you gotta do your homework. And you, yes, there's some absolutely. research involved. And so, you know, believe it or not. But I think that investing for people who are investors, I think investing for people who do it in the stock market, it's more than just investing. There's kind of a thrill that goes to it. And so um I think they they with that thrill gone during COVID because the stock market just didn't was not doing well for so, you know, for a few weeks. People were looking for a different way to get that thrill, and I think they found it. Because let's be honest, as we read down the list of all these cars that are worth so much money, that this cannot be for the average person who collects. No. At least not for me. No. You know, I don't have a million dollars no. around yeah. trying to figure out, you know, because there's, I, I even saw, like I said, I saw Wayne Gretzky that was listed for a million dollars on eBay. Oh, wow. You know, within the last few days. And so that this there's has to be more with people who are looking for an investment part of the collecting aspect. Absolutely. Not necessarily for the average person. Absolutely. But it does it does benefit us. Like I said, it does help us because it raises awareness. You see this in mainstream medias. Yeah. You know, people are reporting this. I've seen this on, on NBC, I've seen it on I even saw it on uh, TMZ. They report, you know, a lot of these crazy 
prices that we see. And so it does hit mainstream media and then it kind of brings awareness and helps yeah. fuel. It, and and it helps keep, uh, it helps keeping the collecting market relevant. Right. You know, where it doesn't go stale because prices don't fluctuate. They don't move, right. you know, much like the stock market. The reason why people play it is because it, there's always a risk in things that you do when it comes to money, you know, but I think it's exciting to, you know, to be able to buy something that you know you got a really good price on and five years from now could be worth right. $10,000 to $20,000. But there's also, you know, there's also, like the stock market, there's also where you're going, you could lose money. Like you take, for example, the Mark McGuire 70th home run that was hit, you know, uh, in 1998. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Todd McFarlane, who owned Todd McFarlane toys and figurines and things, uh, he bought it for $3 million dollars at that time at an auction i think it was actually like 2.5 or 2.6 million dollars but with taxes and action auction fees and things of nature basically rounded up to about three million dollars i believe the latest estimate is that it's about only worth two hundred and fifty thousand. now that is a lot but you gotta think about no, yeah, how much of a price drop yeah happened to that you know to that piece so he has the baseball and i think a, a couple of reasons is because the price drop happened because well one the record no longer stands right i think uh, you know barry bonds broke barry that bonds broke it, yes. you know and then uh and then two is that i think the steroids that you know he was associated with yeah. and the problems with you know public um uh drugs that you know enhancing drugs and things of that nature that also had a factor in so i think that was what led to such a big price drop from three million two hundred to uh, two hundred and fifty thousand you know off subject because you said the name todd mcfarlane i'm curious if it's the same todd mcfarlane who used to write for marvel comics i believe it and is. uh who eventually helped start image who is of course known because of uh, the walking dead series that they that they put out the uh, graphic novels um because that's that's the name i recognized uh, through uh comic books todd mcfarlane yeah, but, uh, if, we, if we had a producer, we'd be able to ask our producer who. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the editor, producer, director. I basically do everything, and and uh, because I'm a part of the podcast, I can't look things up very quickly. But uh, it may be the same guy. We'll, we'll have the answer for you for next week. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have the answer for you next week uh, uh, because I didn't know that if it is the same Tom McFarlane that he was that kind of a collector. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know that he did. Uh, he did work on Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man. He did artwork on the Spanish, uh, Amazing Spider Man. Oh, okay. Uh, he was a writer, and he did some artwork on Spawn, which became a movie, which I, I actually enjoyed. I thought, you know, that yeah. was a good movie. Spawn, uh, who is actually a part of Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, and I, and, I, and the other thing I know about Tom McFarlane is that he's part owner of the Edmonton Oilers. Huh. So, but all the other stuff, we would have to research that sometime there, or maybe one or somebody from our audience would probably would probably be happy to yeah. email us and correct us if we said something. Yeah, wrong, so. and feel free to do that, folks. If we say something that's incorrect or uh, that we misinterpret in some kind of way, feel free to send us an email and say you're wrong, and I will gladly read that letter <laughs> and correct ourselves. Uh, you won't hurt our feelings at all, so don't worry. So the next question is: Will it continue? Will these high prices continue? And, you know, in my opinion, I think, yes. I mean, I, I, I can think back, you know, to when I was a kid. I, I never entered in because I never thought that having all these baseball cards and memorabilia was going to be the big business that it is today. You know, it kind of really just grew. I think in the, you know, obviously the 1990s, anybody who was collecting around that time uh, knew that baseball cards were big. I, I believe 
in a book that I read, at one point they were producing almost 81 billion baseball or sports cards a year. 81 billion. My God. <laughs> so that basically averages out to about almost 325 sports cards per every man, woman, and child in the United States at that time. So it became a big business. That's insane. That's insane. So it became a big business. But it's always increased in price. Sometimes there's a little bit of a lag. It doesn't, you know, we're seeing prices turn over recently pretty fast. But it does sometimes can take years. But as far as I know, and as far as I've always known for me collecting, sports cars have always been a very good investment. Yeah, they have. Uh, like I said earlier, they don't change price very often. Um, they go up a few cents, maybe a couple dollars. Uh, it isn't until somebody passes away, enters the Hall of Fame, or something you know specific happens to that uh, player that that the uh, price changes. And even then, it doesn't go from being valued at a hundred dollars to a million dollars. You know, it goes up in value by a couple thousand. And uh, uh, so the fact that a lot of these cards right now are going for nine hundred thousand to a million a million dollars, um, I would have to say that. I think that the market is just dictating that now. It's it's kind of like in football. Uh, I hear people say all the time, friends of mine, oh, this quarterback, this guy, you know, specifically my guy, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, so my quarterback is uh, Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, oh, so do you think they're going to pay him? Is he worth $100 million? You know what? I don't think it's about that anymore. I think because the market for quarterbacks dictates that even the worst quarterbacks are going to get paid nowadays. Right. Guaranteed money is in the 60 to 90 million range, uh, which means that you would have to pay a quarterback 140 million for a six to seven year contract. And that's even for mediocre quarterbacks now. And, and I think it's the same in, in the collecting business with cards and whatnot. Eventually you get to a point where increases happen and they stabilize there. Um, it's a part of the, you know, part of the collecting business. And like I said, I think it just, it just dictates that cards are going to go up and they're going to be worth a million dollars where they used to only be worth $500 at one time. Well, I think technology also has a big part because the, the cards that are out today, I mean, some of these cards are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I've seen pictures of the 2003, four, uh, exquisite upper deck cards that we you know the one with the LeBron James autograph and the patch of Jersey, it's absolutely a beautiful card. I mean, it just, it pops out at you. You know, once you right? see it, yeah, it's just absolutely, they're gorgeous cards. The technology today are so refined. I mean, it's just, you know, they can do, and well, there's a, uh, currently there's Topps is uh, doing a 2020 Topps uh, card. I'll try to see what it's called. Uh, 2020 Project Cards. And it's using old baseball cards with new uh, art background. So they're drawing in some. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's super nice. If we get a chance, go on to the Topps website and look at the Project 2020 cards. They're absolutely beautiful. And they just use artwork. And they use, you know, traditional. Like I, I remember I saw one of Dwight Gooden, his 85 card Topps. And they still have him there. But in the background is uh, these drawings that they have. It's, it's, it's very nice. But. Ultimately, it's the technology, I think, is also what's helped driving some of the prices of these cars because they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm sure they're not the same cards that we used to collect when we were kids. Uh, you know, cards that look like they were basically made out of cardboard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
I think in a lot of ways that's what helps keep the value on a lot of those older cards is because they can't make them and manufacture them like that anymore. Right. Certain players' cards are going to be worth a lot of money, you know, because they're popular players, and you'll never be able to make those cards again. But you're right. The cards that they're making nowadays are just – it's just totally, totally different. You know, it's just something else. Yeah, some. I mean, you'll see some of these cards where they'll get one card per box. <laughs> really? Like the Top Heritage, yeah. The Top Heritage is, is known, yeah. I believe the 2020 Top Heritage uh, Retired Players Edition, you'll get one, you get you do get an autograph, and it's one card per box, I mean, per pack, and one pack per box. And I think they go about $250 per, mm. per yeah. But, I mean, again, you're talking about top-notch autographs, Top-notch cards. I mean, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're they're reprinted cards with the autographs of actual players. They look so beautiful. But I think a technology has a lot to do with why the cards of today. I mean, you know, like just go for so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure manufacturing of these cards nowadays is probably takes a lot more work. But what they're putting out is is really nice and makes you want to collect them. You know, even more because of the fact that the cards are so beautiful. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I like to do is I always like to make recommendations. I'm sure we know um, rookie cards are the cards to get if you're going to start, you know, trying to get into this for the investing part of it. But even for the collecting, uh, some of my favorite cards are rookie cards. My favorite card is a Fernando Valenzuela 81 Flair. That's, uh, that's one, of my, one of my favorite it's cards. Total. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually got his uh, autographed picture of him pitching at Dodger Stadium right behind you. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's absolutely gorgeous. So some of the some of the rookies that people are chasing uh, this year is uh, Yonder Alvarez. We got uh, Bo Bichette Jr. Remember Bo Bichette, Dante yeah. Bichette, You know, great. Uh, him, Larry Walker, all, all part of that uh, that yeah. Colorado uh, initial team. That was they were pretty powerful. They were an amazing team. Gavin Lux also is hey, a big Gavin rookie Lux, chaser. Yeah. yeah, he's with the Dodgers, who so yep. we're both big fans of the Dodgers. Uh, some of the sets that I think are that have that one set that came out recently was the 2020 uh, Dreams Fulfilled Negro Leagues Legends Baseball that came out a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely gorgeous set. I would strongly recommend you uh, getting a box of that. Uh, we also have the 2020 Panini Absolute Baseball, 2020 uh, the one I talked about, the Topps Archive Signature Baseball. Retired Players Edition. And then you also have the Panini Chronicles Draft Picks Football. That one's kind of cool because it has 21 different Panini uh, brands uh, united into one set. So oh, wow. it's kind of yeah, cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I always love when you come and you have all this information to give, not just for the listeners, but for myself. Because sometimes even, because I'm not a huge card collector, but I do look for specific cards to collect. So it, it's always interesting to me when you come up with these uh, uh, places that you can go online and check it out so I can, you know, see if there's something out there that I'd be interested in. Because even though I focus a lot on, you know, Star Wars, comics, uh, things like that, um, I do collect sports memorabilia, probably not as much as my brother does. Um, but, you know, I do, and especially autographs. I love to get autographs. Like I said earlier, I got my Fernando Valenzuela. I got my... Uh, Corey Seager that my brother got for me. I got my, uh, uh, what's his name uh, from the Dodgers? Uh, Mr. Steve Garvey. Um, and I got what so to me he, is... I think, does he live locally? He stays, he stays actually, locally. He, yeah, he does. He's. Yeah. I'm not going to say he's my BFF, but I actually know him really well. Yeah. Uh, he actually comes into one of the places where I work. 
and uh, so I get to talk to him every once in a while, talk Dodger baseball, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he does. He lives locally, I believe, in Palm Desert. Yeah. And so, um, and then of course, one of the things I'm proud of uh, that I got, uh, I wish I could have got his dad's autograph, but I got his son's autograph. Uh, one time, me and my wife went to Chicago to uh, spring training out there in uh, in uh, Bourbonnet, Illinois, and I ran into uh, Walter Payton's son. Oh, wow. And he autographed his name right. on a Chicago Bears football with his dad's number uh, representing Walter Payton. So, yeah, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to get Walter Payton's autograph. So yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah, one, of, one of our favorite running backs growing up. You know, I mean, my the, favorite. Su the sweetness. I mean, it just absolutely. You know, he's just absolutely um, one of the best running backs I've ever seen uh, growing up. You know, and you know, we got a chance to watch him play. Yes. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why you became a Chicago, a Chicago Bears. Fan absolutely. Just watching Walter, Walter Payton is single-handedly responsible for me being a Chicago Bear fan. Um, him and an uncle of mine, uh, my uncle Bobby, who uh, when we were kids. Uh, he had a Chicago Bears t-shirt on. They came down to visit one time. And uh, he was wearing a Chicago Bears shirt. We saw a football game uh, with my Uncle Jesse, who uh, was a big Green Bay Packer fan. And uh, watched the game, and I saw Walter Payton play, you know, and it was over with after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I just knew he was going to be one of the greatest. And in my opinion, the greatest, but I guess I'm a little biased because I'm a Chicago <laughs> Bears fan. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Uncle Bobby. You introduced me to the to what became, you know, uh, my favorite player, one of my favorite players of all time. Although I do have some bad news, uh, there's an uh, an annual upper deck convention that happens. It's uh, called the Certified Diamond Dealer Conference. This it was going to happen this uh, next following year in January, 2021, here in in, the, uh, in Los Angeles, because I live in Los Angeles now. But unfortunately, it was canceled. So they're hoping to resume in 2022. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they do keep it in Los Angeles. I believe this year it was held in Florida, Orlando, Florida. It's absolutely, if you get a chance to be able to go, I strongly recommend you go. Uh, it's, it's for dealers, people who, who, who have card shops, uh, who are invested in the Upper Deck brand. I mean, they have, they, 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 they go the full nine yards. It's absolutely wonderful. It's a great time. But due to COVID-19, they yeah. did cancel this yeah. following year. And I understand that. Yeah, I mean, COVID-19, you know, unfortunately ruined plans for a lot of people because uh, San Diego Comic-Con was uh, canceled. Yeah. The New York Comic-Con is still put on hold. They're not sure if they want to do it or not. Yeah. But as for now, it's canceled. Uh, the, the huge Star Wars convention that happens every year yeah. was also canceled. I was so looking forward to that, too. I was ready to buy my tickets. You know, I was following it on uh, Facebook so that I can keep getting notifications and updates to let me know how close it was getting because I wanted me and my wife to go. And as cheesy as this sounds, I know I'm a 46-year-old grown man, but I was going to dress up like a Jedi. <laughs> and I was going to walk around with my lightsaber. I don't care, but I was going to do it. But well, unfortunately, I, I, I think you would be in good company, Chris. I think that it's attended by thousands and thousands of people. And I've seen, I've never been, uh, but I've seen it online through YouTube and yeah. things of that nature. And people really are in the spirit of Star Wars. You wouldn't be the only one. Who no, yeah, out. of course not. And uh, people get into it. And I think it's great. I think because it, it, it allows people the freedom to express their selves and their their passion for Star Wars. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's a great series. And another thing that, that unfortunately happened, uh, 
kind of ruined our economy here in the Coachella Valley where uh, I'm from uh, was when they canceled the uh, Stagecoach and the Coachella Fest, which are well, two huge festivals here I did in the see desert. a billboard driving in uh, today where Stagecoast, I believe, has been uh, is going to be done in October. They're thinking about moving them to October, but it's not official. Okay. They still, I mean, obviously we have to see where this COVID-19 is going. Right. Uh, they're talking about the second wave is hitting us. Numbers have gone up. Um, you know, and, and once again, people, you need to be out there. Stay safe. You know, uh, take care of yourselves and your families, your Absolutely. loved ones. Um, just like last week, we want to send a shout out to all the first responders, doctors, nurses, yes. people who are working in restaurants, still serving people who are coming in because they need a release to to get out and go and eat once in a while instead right. of cooking at home. You know, uh, we appreciate all the work you guys do. Um, so, yeah, they're thinking about moving it to October, uh, but it's not an official thing yet because we have to see where this COVID thing ends up. Hopefully, crossing our fingers and praying to God that uh, COVID will be over by then, um, because the last thing I need is for my Halloween to get ruined. Because if anybody knows anything about me, they know I'm a huge Halloween guy. I build yeah, a haunted you, you house do a every great year. Job, because I've been here a couple of times, and it's just absolutely. Uh, I do it for charity. It's called Haunting for the Homeless. And uh, I hate to be doing this shout out on our podcast, but now that it's here, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, so what I do is I build a haunted house. Uh, I have tons of animatronics. I put in a, a bunch of work to make my house look really cool and uh, invite everybody out to come and uh, have fun going through it, get candy. Um, but the basis of it and what I really, the reason I really do it, uh, me and my wife, is uh, to collect canned food and clothes because right after Halloween, we all know Thanksgiving and Christmas hit. And so we like to make those donations to places like Martha's Vineyard, Shelter from the Storm, Angel View, and, and places like that, um, giving them, you know, canned foods, clothing, and stuff for the homeless people. Uh, so when those winter months hit, they got shoes, blankets, gloves, uh, and for places like Martha's uh, Kitchen who uh, they could use the food. Uh, the canned food and things like that to be able to feed uh, homeless moms and children and homeless men uh, who probably won't get a Thanksgiving dinner unless uh, Martha's is open. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful charity. I'm really, really proud of you, Chris, that you do go out of your way to be able to support them. So, again, um, if you get a chance, um, we'll see if we can maybe take pictures this year and post them online. Yeah, we're, we're working. We are working on social media. We're hoping to resolve that uh, within the next couple of weeks, so we we have an, uh, a way for you guys to be able to post um, your pictures and you know your cards, the things that you get in your collection. We would love to see those. Uh, anything that you you know, it doesn't have to be sports. It can be anything that you collect. Uh, we're always open to that. And what was the website again, Chris? I mean, the email email address. Our email address is collect me seven three seven four at gmail.com uh, once again we want to thank Austin for calling in talking yes. about his uh, Stephen King book collection it was a, kind of an unusual call <laughs> we really appreciate him calling in but it was kind of an unusual call because we've literally only done one episode so when he said uh, long time listener first time caller I was like okay <laughs> uh, you know I get it I get it but you know it's kind of weird but uh, before we uh, start to cut off I, I wanted to let you know I finally got my ring in remember I talked about it oh, last yes, week last week yeah that is my Kobe Bryant yeah. Yeah, ring that I've been this waiting for absolutely beautiful it's, it's oh, heavy yeah very heavy very heavy um, it has the inscription on there for both his jersey of uh, 24, number 8. Has his autograph inscribed in there. Has five 
uh, well, I won't say diamonds, I guess cubic zirconians yeah. <laughs> uh, that represent the five rings that he got. Um, and then on one side it says 20 years, number eight. And then it says Black Mamba, number 24. I am very proud of this ring because I'm such a huge Kobe fan. He's outside of Magic Johnson and Kareem. I would have to say Kobe is my favorite Laker, uh, him and Derek Fisher. Um, and Kobe also renewed my interest in the Lakers. I've always been a Laker fan. always collected Laker memorabilia. Um, but in that 90s run, I'm not going to say I stopped being a Lakers fan because I still watched the Lakers. But Kobe and Shaq, what they did was phenomenal as Absolutely. teammates. And they renewed mine as well as a lot of people's interest in the Lakers. Yep. And were able to bring us another three championships between the both of them. And then Kobe uh, with Paul Gasol bringing those two in the uh, uh, late later part of the decade in the 2000s. Yep. You know, and uh, I think we mentioned last week uh, about a small story that me and my brother share, which was a huge benefit for me. Uh, do you want to tell him about that, Rich? Um, yeah, so I had gotten tickets to a Laker game. Uh, what, what year was that? Uh, you know what? I don't remember the year. I believe it was in nine, uh, no, it 2000. Was, yeah, it, it had to be like 2003, 2000. No, it was, it was a little bit later than that. It had to be like 2005, I believe. Okay, maybe 2005, maybe 2006. But I had bought some tickets. So I was going to take my kids uh, to see the Lakers. And I had wanted to see Kobe. Uh, but unfortunately, I got the call to go to work. I had to go to work. So I passed them on to my brother. And I believe uh, you tell the rest of the story. I think you took a friend. Uh, yeah. So he gives me the tickets. It was to go see a, a game against the Trailblazers. And so uh, this is right around the time I was getting ready to move to Texas. So I was like, this was perfect timing because I'll get to watch Kobe play and I'll get to watch a Laker game right before I move uh, from California to Texas. And I took who I consider to be one of the greatest uh, Kobe, as well as Laker fans of all time, this guy's Laker knowledge is unlimited. His name's Sam. He's one of my best friends. I consider him to be family, like a brother. Asked him, hey, do you want to go to a game? He was like, don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> so uh, we went to the game. Weren't expecting anything unusual to happen in that game except to just enjoy it and then enjoy maybe some last few moments between you know brothers to, to, to watch a Laker game together before I, I uh, headed out to Texas. And Luckily for me and Sam, it was the game where Kobe went and put up 61 points against the Trailblazers. But Man, 65. let me tell you. I have right here, 2007, it was 65. Oh, 2007-65, okay. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, me and Sam were through the freaking roof on that game because we went to the game not expecting anything, and then Kobe just puts on a display. Like, he's done in the past many times, but, yeah, it was just... It was awesome. It was phenomenal. And uh, I have my brother to thank for that um, <laughs> because uh, I got to go to Texas with a big, huge smile on my face. <laughs> well, you're welcome, Chris. No no worries, little brother. I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to enjoy it. But, yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our small Kobe story. But, <laughs> All right. Kobe well, was an amazing player. Yes, he was. And like I said, everything that I have Kobe, I'm very proud of, and I'm happy that I have it. Uh, well, folks, uh, we're coming to the end of this podcast here, episode number two. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, thank you to our caller, to the listeners, and hopefully we were able to share some information with you guys today that you guys could put to good use. Uh, 
I'll say our email once again. It's uh, collectme7374 at gmail.com. I will be getting our social media put together. I hope you guys can bear with me so that we can uh, get that to you in the next episode um, for our Facebook and our Instagram and so on and so forth. Me and my brother are going to be putting out TikTok videos uh, to kind of like promote the show, uh, little trailer videos that we'll be doing so that you guys can stay interested and get information on what our next episodes will be about. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to get that stuff done soon. And uh, like once again, I just want to thank you guys for, for listening. We really appreciate the support. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate all the support and, and love that everybody's given us. Yeah, so thank you guys. And uh, once again, hope you guys have yourself a wonderful day. Keep collecting. Send us your questions. Send us your pictures and anything else that you guys want us to uh, either put on air or be discussed. Yep. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Have a great week. Yep. Have a happy 4th of July weekend, folks. Thank you.